Trigger warning, this episode contains references to sexual assault and may not be suitable for some listeners. And what was Alan Sugar actually like in real life? He's, he, do you know what? He's just like you see on TV, yeah. except he tells more bad jokes. The ones that you see on TV was like the average ones. Yeah. The, the ones that he's saying something at some point, I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> just remembering like yeah. 250 grand. Like, ah, if you correct me up, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I respected his attitude. Anybody who was waffling, he knew. It, it yeah. was like he knew from week two yeah. who... It, he knew was going to be good he would ride the people like just full of shit and, yeah. and draw it out how much full of shit they actually was welcome to the eventful entrepreneur i'm your host dodge and i'm the ceo and founder of the bournemouth sevens festival and the revolutionary event crowd our new online events course on this podcast i speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. Michaela Wayne entered The Apprentice, already a very successful self-made businesswoman. She didn't need the money. She was looking for mentorship from Lord Sugar and a bit of fun on reality TV. From a very tough upbringing up north and a life-changing traumatic event, she forged her own way in the male-dominated construction industry and smashed down barriers along the way. Michaela has proven that mental resilience, hard work and determination can help you overcome any crippling adversity. This is the eventful life of Michaela Wayne. Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, George. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making the effort coming down. Superb. But let's, uh, let's get cracking. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you get into the world of business? The moment I start speaking, I feel like you're going to guess where I grew up. <laughs> In sunny Bolton. <laughs> what a place to live. Um, yeah, in I grew up in Bolton. Um, not a very nice part of Bolton either. We didn't have very much money growing up, so we grew up on the rough side, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, lots of fun. Great childhood. Got into business because I am... An unemployable liability. <laughs> <laughs> like most entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's, the main, yeah. it's the main reason, yeah. I think we, like I say, we grew up and we was, we weren't poor, poor, but we had free school uniforms, free school dinners. My mum was a single mum of three for a period of time. I, I still see my dad is very much in my life. He was great growing up, but she was ultimately on her own working lots of jobs and we didn't have, well, we had less than a lot of money, so... I always grew up knowing I will never, when I have the power to be out of this position, then I will never be in this position when I'm older. Mm. I just always knew there was something in me. Like at one point I started thinking I was a witch in that. And I was like doing witchcraft to like make myself rich. I'm just like, I'm going to have money. My children will never be in this position. Not that I don't want to say my childhood was terrible, but getting free school knickers from a shop and yeah. queuing up to get your school dinners yeah. and you know not having the nicest clothes and kids are cruel aren't they mm. so it was um challenging i guess you can say and i imagine what back in the 80s bolton would have been a real tough place but bolton's a tough place today but back then i reckon it'd have been a proper tough place right yeah it was it's it's rough it, it's gone i think it's gone worse to be fair than than when i was growing up but it, it was bad i mean it was just a typical 80s childhood growing up I had two older brothers who were just 
absolute reprobates and my mum didn't have much control over us because we was all just chaotic. I think everybody had ADHD, but we was out all the time playing Manon, playing football, just getting into fights, climbing trees, just everything rough and ready. And I was basically one of the boys. I played on the boys football team. That's all we did really. We just played football and Manon and Ghostbusters and stuff, mm. all the exciting stuff. Manhunt, tell me what Manhunt is. We're like, you, there's one person on and then you have to go and find them and okay. they, they have to get back to it. It's like hide and seek, but I guess it's cooler if it's yeah, called <laughs> <laughs> So when was it when was it for you? You're like, right. Did you realise at a young age that you were poorer than most? Or was it just like it was, that was just the way life was? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know until I was about 14, 15. And then I started wanting what well, I got into secondary school, all my friends from primary school, because it was in the area I was from, we was all similar, I guess. So then it's when I got into secondary school, and I got different friends who lived in different areas of Bolton and had more stuff than what I had and was going on holidays. Like we didn't, I only went on one holiday with my mum, might have gone on two with my dad. But we didn't really go on aeroplanes and we just didn't have that life. So when mm. I was seeing my friends going to Barbados and doing all these things and members of clubs, my mum couldn't afford to put me in a club. Yeah. So they all had all these things in life and nice trainers and I'd ask for it. And my mum just be like, oh, you have to wait till Christmas or, you know, she always made Christmas specials, but I just couldn't get the things that other people wanted. Mm. And it was the, um, it was the queuing for your free school ticket that that finally got to me and then people started saying you know like oh you're a scruff you get free school dinners yeah. so I was always fighting yeah I was I was bad were you we... fighting your own corner yeah I was yeah I mean if anybody said anything all I knew from being a child was to react I didn't my mum didn't teach us like conflict resolution yeah. it was just if somebody gives you shit you give them a good hiding so yeah. I was constantly like getting suspended from school and getting arrested yeah I don't know if I should. Uh, I'm saying this stuff now. Yeah, I've never actually said uh, it publicly. I'm like, oh. what did you get arrested for? How old were you? From being 14 to 19, I probably got arrested seven times. Is that right? Mm. Wow. Yeah, for like assault, GBH, drunken disorder. So, would you? Did you find that growing up that you didn't have any sort of coping mechanisms? It was literally like you said a minute ago. Like if someone was taking the piss or something, you would just lash out yeah so when i was really little i because i was always playing with the boys and that there's some girls that lived at the top of the street and they just didn't like us they lived in terrace houses and we lived in this semi and they just didn't like us for whatever reasons my mum was always arguing with everybody on the street yeah. as well so they beat me up this day all these girls they got me in this street where they beat me up and i've run on crying i'm like and like go and beat the mums up or whatever you expect your parents to do yeah. and she threw me out the house and locked the door and she was like don't come back until you beat up every one of them <laughs> so i was just sat on the doorstep crying for like how old i was like maybe eight or nine okay i remember it well so i must have been a bit older but i was still in primary school and so I would just sat there like, just crying, thinking, what the hell can I do? Like knocking on the door and my mum's like, get away. Mm. And I was like, oh. So in the end, I went up and had to face these eight girls and ended up having a scrap with two of them. And then then after that, they never picked on me again, to yeah, be fair, sure. because I guess I won this fight. Yeah. And then I went home, mum let me back in the ice and it was fine. But that's how I was brought up. Yeah. Like you you don't come back and cry to your mum. You go and deal with it. You go and deal with it yeah. yourself. Like you're absolutely on your own in this scenario. It was only if adults would get involved, mm. then my mum would get involved. But with like, there was girls bullying me at school. There was throwing stones at me, whatever. Just like yeah. not bullying, bullying. Yeah. You know, we'd had an argument, whatever. They were chucking stones at me. 
and there was a year older than me, so I've gone home and told my mum. She's drove round to all of the houses, made the parents get the daughters out on the front lawn, and then made me have a fight with them in front of the parents <laughs> on the front lawn. Is that right? Like she was. Wow. My mum, but she, that's all that she knew. You know, she grew up. Of course, up she grew up not knowing as well. Yeah. Really, like to our, uh, our life compared to hers was luxury, yeah. you know, so, yeah. and she had it really bad. So that that's all that she knew. So then she taught me all that she knew to stick up for yourself. And she was always saying, You've got to have bigger balls than any man in this world to succeed, Michaela. It's a tough world out there for women. So she was really, she wasn't as bad with my brothers. She was really, really, really harsh with me in things like that, the things that she made me do. But, you know, I'm grateful for it now. I mean, absolute turmoil as a child, but yeah. <laughs> grateful for it now because there's, you know, I've, I've learned to face things on my own. I don't need to run crying to somebody yeah. else. I just deal with whatever shit it is, but I don't hit anybody anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so that period then when was the period you like you realized you said you're like 14 15 you're like cool everyone around me seems to be a bit more money when was the point where you're like i want to go and earn my own money and i want to earn a lot of it to get myself out of this and have the luxuries in life it was somebody had said something to me while i was getting my school dinner it's like calling me a scruff and that and i was just like fuck this, mm. because what could I do? Mm. I was 14, so I, I went and got a job then. My nan used to um, be like the manager of this restaurant. So she disastrously offered me a job, but again, liability. I got fired for smoking in Thailand. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it was just like <laughs> cleaning tables and stuff. I were on two pounds, 10 an hour, but I was yeah. like, I need to have my own money because um, mobile phones was just coming out. I was like, I want to get my own mobile phone. So what are we talking in mid nineties? Yeah, so it must have been, I left school in 2000, so it must have been 97, 98. Yeah, okay. yeah. So people were just starting getting them BT cell nets. Yeah, and that, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want BT yeah. cell net. Yeah. <laughs> I want a spray workout and some rock pot. So I wanted all these things. <laughs> Proper scala. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, nobody could afford to buy them. Yeah. So my mum was like, get a job. I went working with my nan. Didn't really pan out. But since then, really, I've, I've always worked doing something, working for somebody, trying to just make some money so that I could save up and buy the things that other yeah. people had. So tell me your early 20s. What route did you go in your early 20s? Yeah, it was just a mess, Dodge, honestly. The person who I am now, and sometimes I look back and I've, I brought things down to just try and discover like who I am as a person because... You know, you perceive yourself one way and then you have people who you meet in life who, well, most people perceive you as completely different. I think there's a hundred different versions yeah. of you walking around. Yeah. So I've, I've written down like, who actually am I? Yeah. Who do I want to be? What do I like? What do I not like and accept? And what do I not like and I want to change? So I did this exercise and started writing things down. I was like, fucking hell, like, <laughs> what is all of this chaos? It yeah. was just chaos. My life felt like chaos. Until I went on The Apprentice and I was 33 then, I already had a seven-year-old son, but it was just, there was things that happened and I did not know how to deal with things. Yeah. I had suffered from, the reason that I do all what I do now, helping women, um, I'd always wanted to help women in some capacity and young girls because I've never spoke about this publicly, but I do speak about it, but I'd experienced I can't bring myself to actually say the words, but there was an incident when I was 14 years old and it changed my life forever. It was involving a man and, you know, I can't actually say the words. <laughs> but, but yeah, something traumatic happened, what men do to women. And um, what, what was that? I'm, I'll say sexual assault, but it was worse than that. But I actually don't think I have... 
in mid to say the words without having a breakdown. I don't want to do that. What the hell? I didn't even expect to say this, so apologies. But this, it happened when I was 14 year old. Did and you it report just, it? Not for about a year. And the only reason that it got reported is because the police came round to arrest me because I'd lost my head altogether and ended up fighting with his current girlfriend. Um, How old was he? A year older than me. So he was, he was only young as well, which, do you know what? It's really, it's strange to speak about now, but it was more difficult at the time. I did tell people I wasn't that, I was always very open. I told people, I didn't tell my family because I don't, I just wanted to protect them or something. I, I don't know what, I don't know why I should have done, but I didn't, but I told friends and things. And it's a very strange experience to not be believed yeah. about something. I mean, it's not like I was saying last night I scored 10 basketball hoops mm. in a row and mm. it's so unbelievable. It, and nobody believes you over nothing. This was a serious life-changing moment. And lots of people didn't believe what I was saying. And it, it changed the course of my life. It changed how I looked at people, changed how I looked at the world. It changed, it just changed me fundamentally as a human. And I was angry to the core, like angry. I could have killed somebody and felt no remorse. Mm. Like I was ill in the head. There was mm. definitely, I was unhinged, but, and then everybody started to find out about it because you know, you're a kid, you're in school. I told some people, they told some people, they yeah. told some people, and it was just, my life was, everybody knew this thing and people were split. And he was either my friend and they believed me or that was it. And I was just like some crazy liar. So the people who believed you, did they go and tell anyone? Or did you go, I need to go and tell my mum or were you embarrassed that she wouldn't believe you? I think because like some friends hadn't believed me. I just thought nobody's going to believe me. And then when other people are telling other people, it, obviously the story gets exaggerated or diluted or whatever. And then, then you know, people just don't believe, people just don't believe it. it it's an unbelievable thing. And it, you've got to think this is the 90s. So it's not like yeah, now, this yeah. is the 90s when if something like that happens, it's off a man who's kidnapped you in a bush and that's when you can say something like that's happened. Yeah. This doesn't happen between people of a similar age who were younger. Yeah. That that's not that wasn't a thing then. So up until up until the apprentice really, like the last five years, right, where I've been settled with it. I've I've been all right since I was about twenty five, but there's there's always been this like did that happen? Like yeah. have I made this up? And mm. was like, is it right? I mean, is it just me? And I'm, I'm, I think it was something and it wasn't, but it was just turmoil. When I, after then, when I got arrested, I ended up saying, this is, this is what, oh, they didn't arrest me. They, they dropped it because I explained what had happened. And he said, if you don't report it, that's fine. It's very difficult. Well, the, the police officer. The police said that. If you and don't the, report it, we'll let it all go. We'll, we'll let all of So what go. did you do in retaliation? After, after, after the incident. Well, the, the girl approached me and she was like, oh, you're a liar and you, you're spreading these rumors, which to be fair, I told a handful of people, but you kids saw, you know, that is what it is. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Whatever. We've ended up having an argument on this bus. I've gone off the bus and um, she's followed me off and was giving it. And I've just really, I think all of this rage yeah, for the last year, I've just, 
unleashed on yeah. on this girl because as well, like, who the fuck are you talking to yeah. anywhere? So I've just absolutely lost the plot. And then at one in the morning, this this day my mum found out, at one in the morning, the police come knocking on my door. And um, I obviously I had to say what had actually gone on. And to this day, me and my mum have never spoken about it even after that. Nobody has, none, none of my family, have. my brothers did intervene when I was older, when I was about 20 because, oh no, maybe I was 18 because the guy went on to terrorize me, like literally he was terrorizing me, I guess. What do you mean by terrorizing you? He'd, he'd just see me when I was out and um, would, the weird thing is I'm so, or I was so headstrong. I am still headstrong, mm. but I was so strong as a person and I was not afraid of anybody at all. I just had whatever, no fear. I froze every time I saw him and we lived in Bolton. It's not a massive town. Yeah, yeah. We was bumping into each other and so I started, I avoided it for years. And then it was when um, I started going to clubs and things, we bumped into each other and he would, um, like the worst time, and I've, I've only ever seen him once since then. He, he came over to me and, Grabbed me down there and was like, you fucking loved it then and you'll fucking love it again. You're joking me. No, I, and I was How just, old were you then? I was 18 and honestly, I was stood there dodged just like nothing. Froze. And But my best friend who has always been my friend and she knew about everything. She'd only ever seen him once in passing. She didn't actually know who he was. But obviously she she must have known from my like reaction and what, however that looked. And so she just run over and decked him and then all the doormen come over and whatever, threw him out the back way and said he can't ever go in there again. And and that was it done with. But then I think since then my brother's intervened and mm. said, you know, like you need to move out of Bolton now. It's, this is enough, it's enough. I, I don't, do you know what? This is the first time I've ever actually publicly spoke about this. And the only reason that, that I'm doing it is to explain in greater detail why I do what I do now. Yeah. And for hopefully if there's other women who have experienced anything like this, when you feel in your mind, whether it's your partner or it's somebody you know, it doesn't have to be a stranger on the street to to say this is this is what it is actually. Um, and I think a lot of women are scared of it, yeah. of admitting to that's what it was. So you'd live in a ball of confusion. Whilst I was in that confusion until I was twenty five, my life was it it was bad. It it wasn't a good life. Like now, my life is amazing yeah. because I will never. I have literally stirred death in the face. I've I thought I'm going to just kill myself. I can't. I cannot deal with these thoughts, with these issues, with traumatic experiences. I just I didn't know how to deal with any of it. And I think once you get that low in your life, and there was a point when my anxiety was so bad, I didn't leave my house for six months. It was a wreck. I weighed six stone, like four stone. Don't tell anybody I'm 10 stone. Four stone, <laughs> four stone lighter than I am now. So you can imagine, I look like a yeah. skeleton. I wouldn't leave my house. I wouldn't do anything. Um, and I think once you've got that bad and you learn how to get out of it and cope with things, you will never take life for granted again mm. and all of the positives. And then how you can change your life. Everything that I have done in my life, everything that I have got now, I'm not saying people haven't helped and supported me, but it, it's because of me. It isn't, nobody has come and given me anything. Nobody came to help me in my darkest times because I never told them. Nobody nobody has done anything for me. Everything that I have created in my mm. life, the, the life that my children have, they both go to private school. They don't want for anything. We live in a nice big house. I've got my own businesses. Everything is because one day I just said, 
fuck this. Mm. Like this is, I cannot, I can't do it. And I do not have the guts to end it. So I have got to create something now, which is how mm. my life then ended up unfolding. From the age of 14 to 20. That was deep. You wasn't that expecting was this. No, was your dad? No, 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 this is good. This is I'm good sorry. stuff, Michaela. This is good stuff. I just want to roll back a bit there. From 14 to 25, this guy has traumatized you. Have you dealt with that, actually dealt with that trauma and gone back and dealt with it to clear it all up to move you forward? Or have you just swept it under the carpet? No, I've not. I've never spoken about that in any kind of detail, really, other than when I speak to other women who are, try to help or, you know, or just speak to. Um, which I think is a therapy in itself anyway, but no, I've not, I've dealt with the, um, like the consequences of it. So I've dealt with the anxiety. I've dealt with the anger. I've dealt, I have dealt with all of that. I am like at peace with what happened, happened. And I know it happened and I'm confident in, I'm glad I said what I said. I'm glad for the way that it all unfolded. I'm glad I'm not embarrassed and I wouldn't change how it unfolded despite it being difficult because I think without all of that, I, I would definitely be a different human being. Mm. I could have definitely stayed victim to that. If I would have told somebody and they would have modicoddled me and I, could, I may well have been a very different human. Mm. So I'm glad it's... It, it came out the way that it did. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I've experienced that so young. You know, people, you hear yeah. them having midlife crisis. Yeah. And you, these are things, you know, people, I don't, I will never have a breakdown. I will never be depressed. I will never get anxiety, much spells, but you know, I will never be in that hole again because I have the tools to yeah. be able to get out of it. I understand, I recognize when I'm not feeling well. I understand when things are going wrong, how to deal with stress. I understand myself and I'm glad I, I learned it at a young age because mm. now I am honestly living my best life. Yeah. I've never been happier. I don't want for anything. And because of what I've been through, if everything got took away from me tomorrow, but I still have my partner, my family, my yeah. children, and we still have a house and a roof over our heads, I'm happy yeah. because I have been very unhappy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure I can hear it. I can hear it. What you know now is, would you have done anything different at the age of 14 after the incident? No, only because of who I am now. I wouldn't advise other people to replicate because maybe not everybody's the same as me. And I did go through 10 years of, of real, real depression, really, yeah. um, and, and difficult spells. Um, so perhaps it wasn't the best way to do with it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if anyone, if any girls out there are listening out there and this happened to them, what advice would you give them? To tell somebody, to tell somebody you're closest to and make sure you find a confidence, somebody who believes in you and who can support you. So after this had happened, the arrest, there was a really harsh teacher at our school. You know, everybody hated her. She's always saying, pull your socks off, speech. She was an RE teacher as well. Yeah. Um, but for some reason she liked me. I don't know what it was, you know, like you just have those special teachers who see something yeah, in somebody. Yeah. And I think she knew I was going through something and all these rumors and whispers was around school. And I'm guessing she'd picked up on it, I don't know. And she sat me down and she like bollocked me really. She was like, you have to tell me what is going on in your life. Like I'd gone from being a really good student to just fighting and getting suspended yeah. and all these things. And so I did tell her and she the, the first word she said to me is, I believe you and like, it's going to be all right. And wow. I can't even tell you how that feels <laughs> when you, when so many people haven't. And she, she changed my life. So I, after that, she, um I did calm down and she was very supportive and she was amazing. 
I've thanked her a million times since. What's her name? Um, Mrs. Mackay. Um, massive she was massive Mrs. shout out to Mrs. Mackay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Did you she... find that she was the first person who actually took you aside and believed what you were saying and gave you that support? Yeah. And it, it, do you know what it was? Because it was somebody um, like in, in authority as well. It wasn't a friend. It, and your friends don't know what to say. They're not going to say, I believe you. It's not words that yeah. you know children say to yeah. each other but she actually said that and i don't know what it was it just it it helps a, a great deal and then she just acted like um an unofficial counselor to me for from then until even when i went to university or i'd pop back to school and go and see her and she I'd just have a chat with her, I'd tell her what was going on in my life, whatever. And she she just helped me out a bit. So I went to university to study religion and um, special needs because she had made such an impact on my life. I wanted to then help other girls and be a RE teacher slash counsellor, literally do exactly what she'd done. That was always, see, I tell people now and I always miss out that the very important part of my story, what I've just told you and everybody's like, Ari, I'm like, I know, yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, <laughs> that's the truth behind yeah. it. That's why I actually did it. So I've always had this thing in me where I wanted to help other girls who didn't have help you know we were from a demographic where you can you can't speak out or you don't have any money or you, you know you don't have the education or, or the you know the people within your family who understand yeah. how to talk to you and how to bring things out and don't just close the door on it because it's painful who who will draw the that out of you and yeah. help you work through it yeah. and that's what I wanted to do I ended up in construction. Yeah. <laughs> but I've gone back to I've gone back to I guess doing that in yeah. some forms. Wow, some story, Michaela. Yeah, it's um well I guess that's the truth. I've been talking to people for the last five years and have never actually said why I'm so passionate about doing doing the things that I do and yeah. supporting women. Because you know, we we talk about equality and things are getting better, but yeah. it's still not equal and it doesn't have to be as extreme as what I've experienced. Women are on the back foot in, yeah. in a lot of industries in the world. And I think, um, fuck that, they shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Let's tell me about your journey about getting into The Apprentice. How did you, how did you get into The Apprentice? Did you apply or did they come to you? How does it work? No, 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 you apply. So basically, happier times. My brother had been on Love Island the, the year or two years before. And honestly, he had a whale of a time dodge. I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he did. He fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, and he What's was going name? to Josh, Josh, Josh. Richie. Okay. Um, yeah, he was going out partying, like living the life. And so I'm older, I'm 10 years older than yeah. Josh. Um, and, but at this point, I started my business when I was 25. Uh, when I come to apply for The Apprentice, the first I applied once and didn't go on. Yeah. So when I applied, I was 32. And I was, I want to say semi-retired. My businesses was doing very well at the time. And I just didn't really need to be there. We had the management structure in yeah. place. I was spending loads of time with my son. We was off on holiday. It was great. But I felt like I can be doing more than than this, what I'm doing. I've hit a wall. I'm from Bolton, as I've said. Yeah. I still stayed in Bolton. I don't know any business people. Like everything that I was taught was from a butcher across the road. Yeah. Like I needed to mix with people who could teach me how to get from, at the time it was at about 4 million. I wanted to get to 10 million. Mm. But doing that, I just had no knowledge. Mm. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. You built up a business to 4 million quid. Yeah, Josh. Tell me. I'm a legend. Tell me. <laughs> well, it's no, we're not skipping. We're not, we're not skipping past that. Four mil is a good number. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's two. That's that's two businesses um, combined. Um, what were those businesses? So the first one I started was Design and Build UK. That's a construction magazine. I'd been looking for somebody else. Whatever, hit a glass ceiling. Decided to go it alone. Yeah. Started it with my brother, um, and yeah, that did well. Really, it, it was good margins, yeah. and um, then your revenue subscription base, all different revenue streams yeah. coming in. Um, so we grew that and after about two years of doing it, um, a friend of mine wanted to start his own utility connection company, fitting gas water and electric yeah. mains and yeah. sites. And um, so he was asking me to do his marketing. So I said, well, instead of us doing your marketing, let me invest in it, come in our offices, yeah. you know, I'll show you how to run a business, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So he came in, we did that and um, yeah, we helped him to scale and it, it, that business did incredibly well as well. So they both, they both really did they popped started. at the same time. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and they, and they did. So seven years into my first business, I was five years into the second one. And it was both, yeah, they was, they was doing, we was doing all right, you yeah. know, like, and I, I was majority shareholder in one and I had 37% in the other. So I, I had a decent amount of it, but it weren't one of those where we're like, oh, let's reinvest again. Knew nothing about business. Yeah. It yeah. was about, let's buy some of the boot ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I was just like. Are you a spender? A spender, Dodge. Oh, yeah, you are. I, I know you are. Dodge, honestly, I don't even <laughs> want to tell you the money that I've earned, but it's been a lot. And there's times when I'm in my overdraft, like by like 10 grand, and I'm like, hey, where was all, I swear I got paid like three weeks ago. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but yeah, I got the money on. And then uh, yeah, I got the kids on. And then I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. So, yeah, I am an absolute nightmare. I started, um, the only good thing I did was I bought my house when that was like a good investment and it was a, a shit all and obviously I'm in construction. So yeah. We did it all up and I made quite a bit of money in that. What so did that you was pay? What did you pay on that house? Do you remember? And what year was it? Yeah, it was 2013. And was that your time? Where you're like, I've made it. When you bought that first house, did you feel like you'd really gone to another level? I felt like it wasn't mine then. Okay. So the first time I felt like I made it, I bought myself a tag watch. Did you? <laughs> and I was like, I come out of the shop, I was like, yes, look at me with my tag watch. <laughs> it was like three grand and I'm running to my office. I'm like, bro, it's the Ali John. He's like, well, I'm like, I bought a tag watch, bro. And he was like, <laughs> she like, the girl's like, look at me, he's got diamonds in that. Quality. <laughs> Far with the absolute dog. Um, but yeah, when I bought that, it was, it was like overwhelming. Yeah. I could I just couldn't believe I was sat in it with with my son, um, Harrison. And he was maybe he must have been three or four, maybe he was just turning four. And I was just looking round. I mean it was a shit all as well. But I was looking round just like, oh my God, like all of all of this is ours. Like yeah. we can shut that door and nobody's gonna come and take it yeah. from us. Like we don't we don't have to worry about anything. This is ours. But then at the same time, I was like, oh fuck me, all of this is mine. Because yeah. it was the right mess. I was like, hey, we're gonna sort this out. And he's four, so he ain't gonna do nothing yeah, to contribute. Yeah. What did you pay on it? Uh, 310, I think it was. 310, and that would get you a big lump up north back then, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it was nice. It was a four bed detached at the time. We've extended and stuff yeah. since. Um, yeah, we have a nice piece of land, garage, and all that stuff. And um, we have just I've just put it up for sale begrudgingly, but I don't think it's going to sell anyway. I'm mm. probably destined to be there forever. But yeah, that that was probably my only sensible move. The thing that I'm grateful for past me for doing Dodge. I was driving round. I got an i8 brand new at showroom, 125 grand. I'm driving round thinking, like, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck with this little Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a as well? Yeah, <laughs> just my proper twat. Just like pulling up in Bolton as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
It's just homeless people yeah. everywhere. And I'm just like, yeah, look at me. I'm a little dog. I'm an old kid in his Gucci <laughs> shoes. What bitches? <laughs> Thinking I was, oh God. I cringe at myself for how stupid I, I But I, do you know what? I, I had the absolute yeah, time yeah. of my life. It was just amazing. Me and little Harrison was going on loads of holidays. Like yeah. we've been to Disney World, God knows it, five times. We've been, we've been all over the world. We've done everything together. You know, it's been... So it's you were spoiling your kids that how you would like to have got treated when you were younger, maybe. Exactly, 100%. Yeah, I mean, my children are honestly spoiled rotten. They're yeah. lovely boys. Yeah. Absolutely, they will do anything for anybody. Yeah. Really, really sweet children. You know, I make them work so they get spending money. Yeah. They're not spoiled in that sense. But if my son wants an iPad, if he wants some new trainers, if he wants to go to Russia, this is latest thing. And then, <laughs> what a weirdo. Private school, mate, honestly. He's teaching Russia and I'm, like, I'm going to Russia. I'm like, you fucking hell, there's a war on, pal. Anyway, but if he wants to do these things, I've got the funds to, to do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So you, you, you've, you've gone through a real tough time up to 25. You've built your business. You've got up to four mil. Fair play to you, by the way. Just thank hold, you, just massive respect to you for what you've just achieved there in that short space of time. Oh, what was the bit when you were like, was it the bit you're going, I wouldn't mind a bit of fame now? What made you go, I want to go into Apprentice? Did you want to prove that women can do whatever they want if they put their mind to it? Did you want to show this off to the world? What was going through your mind? Probably to annoy my little brother more than I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking joking. You. you go and tell you, I'll go and tell you better. <laughs> more viewers on that one. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't. Um, no, it was, I, honestly, I'd seen him like having a great time. And um, there's no way I could go on Love Island no. because, you know, yeah. I'm like, Harrison doesn't want to see me in a bikini, yeah. let alone yeah. the nation. So <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and I'd never actually watched it, but, you know, I knew it was a business thing. I'd probably seen snippets. Yeah. I understood like what it was. Yeah. Um, and like I say, I, I had this terrible anxiety when I was younger. And it would come back in waves if like there was stresses or there was things going on. But I knew how to deal with it. It was nowhere near as bad, but I'd go through these waves. So I thought to myself, if I go on something like this and push myself out of my comfort zone, then surely that's then going to cure me. I've always tried to push myself more and more since I've been in business. And, um, and yeah, I just thought this, maybe this is... <laughs> Maybe this is going to be the cure for it because I never networked then. Yeah. Like I never would have done this be, yeah. be, even before when I had yeah. the businesses. I wouldn't have gone. I was. I still had social anxiety, so I'm an oversharer. So I, you know, I start telling people like, "Oh yeah, I've just, like I did when I come in here." I'm yeah. like, "Oh, stink false time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just like <laughs> everything just comes out. Yeah, but you're straight. Yeah, there's yeah. not many people. There's not many people made like you these days. Just straight talking, good human beings. Yeah, just not. It's nice just to normal. hear. I like to think it's normal. Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear. It really is. So, yeah. It's so, real. It, it's real, Michaela. That's what you are. You're real. Oh, thank you. you know? It's nice. <laughs> well, I thought um, this is going to cure it anyway. Yeah. So I applied for it. It was like quite a lengthy process and I didn't get on and they rung me to say, this is the first year, say, will you be a reserve? And I was like, yeah, like, whatever. I don't, I can't lose me. Yeah, Dodge, yeah, like, absolutely yeah, yeah. not. I was coming down here and I'm like, I'm going to be the best guest. Yeah. Dodge has ever had on that podcast. <laughs> I won't blow that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too competitive. <laughs> and so I was a bit raging. And then the next year I was seeing somebody at the time. And then the next year I was like, I'm going to go for it again because what I've got to lose, I understand the process, I'm gonna go for it. They did ask me to be a reserve. If there was any truth in that, I might get on this time. And then my partner at the time was like, oh, don't, you just like, you know, you're wasting your time, don't do it. So then I was like, "More the time. I am getting <laughs> on this fucking show if it kills her. So I went and um, 
the exec producer, I bumped into her in the corridor and she's like, Michaela, I'm so glad to see you back. I've been thinking about you for the last 12 months. I was like, oh, weird, but okay. Mm, nice. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, I re we we regretted not putting you on. Not regretted it because they had a fabulous show, but she was like, I'm really glad to see you back. So that gave me some confidence anyway. So then, yeah, went went through the whole process like an absolute bag of sweat. May I add, Dodge? Yeah. I was like, my, my knees were sweating. I okay. have sweat from places yeah. <laughs> in that process that I did not know was human. I was so, so, so petrified. What, what was the What was the process with the the interview before you yeah. go on? Yeah, yeah. So you um. You go, you yeah. There's like there's thousands of people going. Then you go in this room first of all. There's like whatever ten or twelve people lined up, and you do a thirty second pitch. Why should you be on The Apprentice? So whatever I can't remember what I said. Just some waffle like yeah. he needs yeah. me or some fucking bullshit. <laughs> like he definitely doesn't matter. <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> and then you go into another room and you have like um. You have interviews with producers who go through your CV and your application pack because you send them in online. Yeah. And then you, there's loads of waiting around. It was like 18 hours. It's like an 18 hour day. And then you have another interview with who they say is a bank manager, but I don't know who it was, and, and an exec producer. And, the, you know, they act like you're in the final five, yeah. like, what about this and what about that? Yeah. And I was just obviously giving it like yeah. super cocky. Yeah. And then you do the screen test. So that thing is all I can describe it as. So what you see on YouTube and they, they meet the candidates thing and it's like a 60 second clip. And I just look like an absolute knob on it. It's, I'm like, I don't talk about my bad nose job, oh, actually. I'm like, yeah, I've got a wonky nose. Like, fuck's sake, Michaela. Again, just like oversharing. And they did, it was at the end of this 18 hour day though. And I'm like, that is what they're using. They put it on TV and my brother run me up and he was like, mate, you sound like such a prick. I was like, fuck's sake. Oh my God, this is going to kill me. But it was, it was fun. Do you know what? You, if you can't laugh at yourself, then yeah. don't definitely do. Do not go on TV, yeah. absolutely not, because you are gonna get terrorized. Yeah. Um, so it was it was all fun. And then yeah, you do that, and then you go to London and they do like a task day where you have to build things or whatever actors' teams, and um, and then you see psychologists. It's really long, it's wow. a really, really long process, and then I guess they dwindle it down and you just get a call one day. They rung like you're on The Apprentice. I, I remember, I, I kept thinking, oh, they're gonna call me, they're gonna call me and I'm gonna scream and be like dead dramatic and they run me. It was like, you're on The Apprentice. I was like, oh, that that's nice. <laughs> and none of this stuff what yeah. you were, because although I was thinking I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get on. Yeah. When I actually did, I just did not know what to, and then, I, then it hit me, I'm like, Fuck me. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm going up yeah. there. <laughs> I was just like plodding through, you know. Did you know what you were letting yourself in for before you went in there? Or were you like, I don't know what I let myself in for. Bring it on and see what happens. I did not have a clue, Dad. Yeah. So the, the day before, you go and stay in a hotel the night before. And the day before that, when I was at home, I thought, right, I'm going to watch an episode. And I put it on and I just got this wave yeah. of anxiety and sickness. And I was like, I hope this, turn it off. So I didn't really know. Yeah. I understood what happened. And I, I must have seen an episode even there because I did I did know what happened. But I can't remember anything. Um, so then when I went into it, I just didn't know anything. People were like, oh yeah, we've got the big ticket task and we've got the go around London task. I'm like, I am fucked. Yeah. Because all of these are like clever. Yeah. They know everything. You know, there's like barristers there. There's other business owners. There's, And let me tell you, people are full of shit, shit yeah absolute yeah. just i went in there and i'm thinking oh my god like i am so out of my debt yeah. all these people are so clever they've been to university yeah. and i did i did not finish my degree i'm yeah. like they finished the degrees you yeah. know they've done all this stuff and then i'm gonna say one weekend i would just like i'm gonna win this 
literally within a week, like the the facades drop yeah. and just all of the um, how inept they actually was at, at just normal tasks, let yeah. alone these bigger tasks. I was like, yeah, these lot don't have a fucking yeah. clue what they're doing. Quality. And I had like good, I did no business and yeah. I understood all aspects of it as well. Branding, figures. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like was pitching, like yeah. face-to-face pitching. Yeah. That bollocks me up on one of the tasks. But that was the thing, the reason I was in there to, you know, to cure all of these things. Yeah. So, but honestly, Dodge, I cannot tell you enough. I had the absolute yeah. time in my life. It was like a little holiday. Yeah. I didn't have any responsibilities, no businesses, no staff. And Harrison wasn't there. Yeah. I just, nobody to worry about. No, I just had the best time. How long was the filming for? About 10 weeks. About 10 weeks. In so are you going back and forth? Or are you just staying in London for 10 weeks? No, oh, you're trapped in the you're house. You're trapped in there for together. 10 weeks. Right. So there was like 18 on our year and then there's five producers who all live in this big house with you, but they take your phones, there's no TV, there's no radio, there's no wine. There's, there's no vino. So you went clean for 10 weeks. How was that? Mate, it was great. It was not great. Did you get the sweats? For three days, I was like, I'm going to bed early, I'm going to bed early. You got a headache. <laughs> He's got some drugs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it, that was difficult. But, you know, one day um, I just had enough. We was on like week seven of TV, so maybe four weeks into it. I'm like, and they kept giving me a little like one glass of Prosecco, you know, the celebration yeah. thing when they come home. And I'm like, that's a tease. Yeah. Because I don't want to go out. out. Yeah. I'm ready. You give me that one. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm off skis. Yeah. <laughs> but you're locked in. Yeah. And I was like, so this day they give us this one and me and Sarge, um, who was like my best friend in yeah. there. I was like, Sarge, I seen them put some beers in the production office. <laughs> Nick. And he was like, nah. I was like, Sarge, honestly, we can fucking get in there. <laughs> So we broke in. I was like, there's wine. <laughs> a bottle of wine each. And then we went in this gym bit, hiding behind this machine. And honestly, Dodge, I glugged this wine like a fucking animal. <laughs> oh. We had tasks the next day. And we, because I, I hadn't drunk for yeah. like four weeks. Yeah. And at this point, I've lost loads of weight because you're not eating properly yeah. and not sleeping right. I was arsehole. I was absolutely, and I'm not a good drunk anyway. I'm like slurring my words like proper, just absolute mess. I was like, oh, we're going to have to go to bed. Side. <laughs> so we walked upstairs and they got onto it at this point. There was like, somebody's broken the production oh, no. office, like, and somebody's drunk some wine. Everybody sat there all sober. I was like, who's fucking done that? <laughs> You're all right, man. <laughs> Just leathered. Yeah. And luckily, they didn't actually tell me. I thought, oh, they're going to kick me yeah. off the show and everything. Yeah. You know? So I went up and went to bed. And the next day, it was that running around London task. My shoe of choice was a seven-inch Labouton. <laughs> or oh, five-inch it was Labouton. My feet were killing yeah. me. My head were banging. I'm like, this is why they don't let you drink. Yeah. I did not perform well on that time. Me and Sarge were on the same team as well. Just don't go over to bugger it. <laughs> but it was it was brilliant. It was. Um, how, many people, how many people started off? 18. And how many did you get down? You got to the final. Yeah, so I come third. Well, I like to say second because there was two winners that year. Was there? <laughs> yeah. Who were, were they? Equal winners, were they? And what year was yeah. this? 2017? Yeah, so it's the only time he's done that. He gave them both 250 each. He gave them, he had two winners. And why did you, why do you think you didn't win? He said to me because I had too many other businesses and because I didn't need, technically need the investment. But it was never really about the investment for me. It was more the mentoring and the knowledge yeah. that I could have got for the, the parts that I was missing to be able to scale more over the money. But I think he likes to help people. He likes startups, you know, he likes to help people. Yeah. And although mine was a startup, 
I think he just thought I didn't need it as much. And he was worried that I had these other businesses and if something goes wrong, yeah. my focus is going to be yeah. on them and not on this, which ultimately he was correct because that's exactly how my life transpired in the pandemic. You have to focus on what's, what's, what's bringing you money. And, yeah. so. and how much did the winners get? 250 grand? Yeah. And what did the, what businesses were they for? So Sarah had a sweets in the city. She's still got a um a sweetie brand. She she sells like pots of different sweeties yeah. and selfridges and places like that yeah. and online. And James was recruitment. He absolutely loves a recruitment company, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Pound noting that's why. Yeah. yeah, and he knows he's got a couple anti already. Right. I think so. And what was Alan Sugar actually like in real life? He's, he, do you know what? He's just like you see on TV, yeah. except he tells more bad jokes. I will okay. say that. You know, the ones that you see on TV was like the average ones. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that he's saying something at some point, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> just remembering like yeah. 250 grand there. Oh, oh, you correct me up, Alan. <laughs> Some just did not land. But um but other than that, no, he, do you know what? He's very he's very straight laced. He likes I really respected it. I respected him anyway. How can you not respect yeah, somebody who's, who's yeah, got caked billions and he's of done pounds? Well. Yeah. And he's done it himself yeah. as well. So but I respected his attitude. Anybody who was waffling, he knew it, it yeah. was like he knew from week two yeah. who it, he knew was going to be good and who wasn't. We knew it, and I'm yeah. not a billionaire, do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and he would ride the people, I guess, who, who was like just full of shit and, yeah. and draw it out how much full of shit they actually was. Yeah. Um, but he was always really respectful to me. He knew, um, obviously, I, I really struggled the first couple of weeks in the boardroom talking um, because I was so anxious. Yeah. It was just uh, coming out like gobbledygook and Karen Brady, bless her, was like translating for me like, yeah. Michaela, do you mean this? And I was like, that <laughs> sounds better. <laughs> Fucking go with that, Karen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just like a wreck. Um, so he like bird, it, it bird with me and I was, I never sold anybody out not once. Yeah. I never said like, it's their fault if it weren't. I never piped up when I shouldn't. Yeah. I, I was selling things and people was getting recognition. I was like, whatever, because if we don't lose this task, I'm not making myself look like a prick when actually I sold that. Yeah. Like, yeah, what's it's... the point? Like you stay friendly with everybody. Yeah. So I was, it was good in there that I was very good friends with everybody. I never turned on anyone. Yeah. And it kept everybody loyal towards me. So I was never brought back in. Yeah. I just ended up in there once when it, I was a PM, but I was never actually brought back in. And I think he respected that as well. The fact that I just said loyal. what needed to be said. Yeah. You know, I would just say the actual facts of yeah. the events. This is how it took place. Like yeah. believe all that shit if you want. They're always chatting shit. Mm. This is actually how it happened. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think he, he liked that. Do you think that if you didn't have other businesses, you would have won that? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Sarah, I just did not see James's competition. I'm sorry, James, if you ever hear this, yeah. he's still a good friend of yeah. mine. But I just didn't see him as competition. Sarah did. She'd had her business for a good few years as well. She was doing well and she wanted investment in the business that she already had. And Sarah's a very astute businesswoman as well. Like she's the only person who I've seen in there and I was like, mm, she's good. Um, but yeah, I, I think I still would have won it, to yeah. be honest. I just... I just, I just know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm not like being a big head. I just understand business. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. I know how to grow businesses. Could you, could you still go back to Alan Sugar at some point? You think and open a door to create a new business with him if you had a new idea? I, I, I have spoken to him a few times. He gave me his email address. He was like, "Do stay in touch." And he's in construction. He's got property and that. So I have emailed him a couple of times and like pecked his head. And he, you know, he's always been pleasant. Um, so yeah. But, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to. Yeah. I feel like I'm a depth, to be honest. I would feel like I'm a depth. And is, um, I feel like I, w I don't need that additional pressure of 
large sugar being on my oh, case. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, you, as a shoulder, business owner, yeah. you put enough on yourself. Yeah. Um, do you want me to tell you who is absolutely glorious, though? Claude. He is, oh, really? Honestly. He comes across lovely, doesn't he? He's just the nicest man on the yeah. planet. He's really, really helped me since I've come out of The Apprentice with business things and um, for personal things. One of our friends... Um, had a similar cancer to what Claude had and he sits on the board of multiple myeloma and he helped him out, helped him to understand what um, treatments was going to yeah. be best for him and what Lovely. wasn't. Really like just taking time out of his day for somebody who was just a friend of mine, yeah. for somebody who he doesn't know, yeah. do you know, like a, a real, real, Massive real. respect to Claude. Yeah, he's a proper, proper guy. What was Karen Brady like? Again, like you see her on TV, but she's all for women. She was very much yeah. always sticking up for for the girls yeah. and she was always like making girls speak up. So there was a time when I was like, oh, I, I thought the boys would be able to pitch better than me. So I got them to do it. And she was like, why have you said this, Michaela? You're clearly a very good businesswoman. Yeah. Do you know, like, why are you putting yourself down? And I was like, oh, I'm just not that confident. Yeah. But, and she would say to me like off camera, like Michaela, you, you can do this. Yeah. And you know, she would like give you that confidence. Cause yeah. it, imagine even that from Karen Brady. Yeah, I was like, fucking yeah, I yeah. can do it. Let's go. So it was brilliant. Um, yeah. But really, really nice, really super supportive of women. But I think she drew a line in the sand, somebody said years and years ago, and she said she wouldn't talk to previous candidates. I don't know if that's still the case. Yeah. Or maybe she's like worried everybody's gonna mind her like I do with Claude. Yeah. I don't I don't know. But we I've never I've never spoke to her since, but inside gossip, my brother started dating a daughter for a while. I was like, Josh, really? you have got to fucking marry her. You can't You've got to marry that girl. <laughs> So I'll get to see Karen Brady again. I'm yeah. like, can you imagine mum yeah. and Karen Brady in a room together? It's going to be fucking chaos. Yes. <laughs> I should get a load of free West Ham tickets for us. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, happy fucking days, <laughs> so when you So when you left there, what was it like when you came out of the show for you? What was your profile like? Did you come across any trolls? Did you come across nice people? What, what was your world? Was it chaotic? Was it just taken to a whole new level? Yeah, it's really weird, you know, because... A couple of things. I'd seen what Josh had been through, so I was well prepared for this isn't going to last forever. There's, you know, it, there's the good times and then it, it drops mm. off. Like there's a climb and then the crash, mm. whatever. Um, so I was like, there's going to be 12 months here. I am going to just live it up, have a really good time, see what happens, take any opportunity that I can. That was like my ethos. And me, Sarah, who won it, Sergeant Harrison, who's obviously an own partner, and James was all very good friends afterwards. So we was like, let's do loads of things together afterwards. You know, like yeah. go to parties together, nice. go to each other's house and watch it on a Wednesday yeah. or whatever. Um, because nobody really understands it. So when you finish recording, it's about three months before it yeah. goes on TV. So you've just got this three months of like blandness is all I can say. Yeah. Just like really weird. You're not supposed to tell anybody, but obviously I just like basically may as well announced it in Bolton Evening News everywhere I went. I'm like, I'm on Apprentice this year, make sure you tune in, I come third. <laughs> just Did you yeah. I met my boyfriend in there, don't worry about it, Harrison support him as well. <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> I just like broke every single Apprentice country out of the world. Um, but luckily no, nobody actually told anyone. But it's, it's just a really weird phase and then... It comes on, although that happened, that 60 second clip where I just saying like an absolute remedial and then it, it, it just kicks off. It's just, it's very straight, but it grows. It's like the first week, everybody, you don't, there's too many people. You don't know who anybody is. Yeah. And then the second week and then the third week I was PM and brought back in. So then everybody kind of knows who you are then. And then as the time goes on, it was, it, it was just, it was mad. Yeah. It, it was like actually really, really mad yeah. everywhere I went. There was people like, oh, can I have a picture? I'm like, yeah, yeah. do you actually want a picture? With me? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know, just we it's just a weird thing. And although you know it's gonna be on TV and it might happen, um, I'm I guess I'm not 
an arrogant knob. So yeah. I would always still be surprised when it happened. But I remember this time me and Harrison was in this bar in Manchester. Um, oh, which lost show, right? And from walking in to get into the bar, which is like the 20 meters away, it took us two hours. Right. Because there were just people like, wow. can I have a picture? Can I have a picture? Can I yeah. talk to you? What's our sugar like? Does it take 20 minutes to get ready in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, all yeah. these questions you get asked. And we was like, obviously we'd never be rude to anybody anyway, but we was like, that's so nice to share your experience with people as yeah. well. So we was always like, we'll always chat to everybody. We met honestly the most random people on night. Yeah. So we've gone, we, we ended up in somebody's engagement party. We were just having a drink outside. They was like, oh, come in here. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, get the shots out. <laughs> and me, so me, I guess like straight up my friend. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> we were just getting involved in everything, loving it. Um, so a very, very strange period of time. I think luckily I didn't come across as too much of an idiot on TV. These obviously things. Did you get the fear at all? Do you know that period you said you had three months of, okay, it's all been filmed. You're waiting for, did you ever get the fear in that three months? Of, oh no, how am I going to come across? Because they film for 10 weeks, 24 hours a day, etc. You don't know what snippets they're going to use. Yeah, my only thing, what the only part I was worried about is what if I'm not never talking? Right, because okay. because I didn't talk yeah. <laughs> for like weeks, I didn't say anything in that boardroom, and like the, literally the one or two lines that I did say, they featured. Okay, so that was my only thing. If I was going to come across too shy and not really see myself, but. Um, Clever editing, you know, they, they put in the couple yeah. of things that I did say. But no, I never did because you know what, Dodge? I'm just not a knob. And I knew when I was in that process, yeah. I just didn't really do anything that controversial. I, I sent my piece. And if I, if there was a time when I was going to be confrontational and say something, or if I had an opinion about something, that's still my opinion. Yeah. And my opinion is my opinion. And just because you have a different one, yeah. and you know you call me a knob for it, I'm not going to be offended by yeah. that because we just have a different opinion. Yeah. Let's live our lives. Yeah. So I was never really bothered about any of it i got trolled it was more about my appearance you know yeah. i'm fat i'm ginger my hair i have my glasses i look like a pedophile my nose like everything that, that's crazy isn't it? <laughs> yeah but do you know what i was just like how yeah, do you deal with that I, like... I had put on weight and yet my glasses were probably not the best choice <laughs> <laughs> and i do have fucking ginger hair so <laughs> well done genius <laughs> <laughs> and then you click on them and I'd be like, mate, your head looks like a fucking thumb. So I just give them back though. I would go in. <laughs> this big fat man, honestly, you're like, oh, chin's all in one thing. I'm like, you ever got the audacity, yeah. the gall yeah. to comment on me having ginger hair yeah. when your head looks like a fucking thumb? <laughs> Would you, find, would you find this back, would you? Would, you? would you argue back? Oh, absolutely. Would, did you? Yeah, so people start giving it because I would just destroy them. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd go through people's pages. Anybody who was really giving it, I'd go through the page and I'd be like, oh, look at what this knob tweeted before, <laughs> like in 2005. Quality. Well, cool them <laughs> I out. have got the time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get the investment. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't. There was only, only when I'd got pregnant, obviously hormones, not dealing with life as yeah. rationally. Yeah. Um, there, there was a period then where it was just one person and they were saying brutal things. They started calling my kids. They said they knew where I lived. Oh. And they was like, I'm gonna come round. I'm gonna kill your kids. And I was like, I'm gonna DM you my address now to make sure it's the right one. Make sure you bring something with you because I will knock you the fuck out when you mm. knock on this door. Yeah. And I was like, I was seething, Dodge. I'm yeah. like, this is my kids. Then the screenshotting pictures of my kids and posting it like, oh, look at this ugly kid. Oh, it's knocking me sick. Then they started DMing me saying, um, and this is what got to me because I'm like, it must've been somebody I knew. There was like, um, 
you in uh, this why Harrison's or something along these lines. Can't remember word for word, but this why Harrison's in London now with another girl because you're a fucking mess. And at the time, I was at home, probably a mess because I'm like, whatever, four months pregnant, yeah. like throwing up all the time. Yeah. And Harrison was in London, yeah. And I was like, the fuck. So I know Harrison. I know he would never yeah. do anything. But I did. I rung him up and I was like, Harry, listen, somebody has just sent this. I need you to just put my mind at ease. Yeah. And he was like, Michael, on Saturday, my first time, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why are they saying this? And it's this same person. And because it was just relentlessly that same person, Harry was like, just fucking block them now, Michaela. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. know who it is. They've got that egg timer head, whatever. Yeah. It, so there's nothing you can say. It's a blank account. And he was like, it must be somebody who knows us. He was like, you just need to block them. And so that was the only one that really ever bothered me because it must have been somebody who knew us because they knew that Harrison yeah. wasn't there with me. He was in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. And that, that bothered me. But all the other stuff, it's just... What social from... media platforms were these trolls on? Twitter. Twitter is the worst. I don't oh, go near it. Oh, my God. Mate, it is vile. Yeah. Like, people do not give a yeah. shit what they say on there. Uh, Twitter was the worst. And Instagram, that, that happened on Instagram. Okay. And then it, the comments about my appearance and stuff, because, you know, you're posting stuff on Instagram. Yeah. So then they're like whatever, calling yeah. me whatever names and all yeah. that. I'm like, honestly, you want to see me 10 years ago? I look banging now. I've had two fucking nose jobs and my teeth done. <laughs> Call me what you want. I think I look fit. <laughs> Quality. So you've had, a, you've had a blast in there. You had a right laugh in, in the programme. Come third, you come out, mini celebrity. That lasted for excellent. How long was it before you got with Harrison, who was also on the show, who's now your partner and the, dad of your beautiful little boy yes um so we was really good friends in that process so like i said the five of us we was always together and then when we come out those, those three months harry was seeing somebody else i was whilst was in the apprentice brought that off the day i come out <laughs> brutal just like oh, sorry <laughs> saying i don't work out about <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> um and then but harrison stayed with his girlfriend for a while and we, we were all just like in that three months we was all just pally like in whatsapp yeah. groups and that and we went out to i we used to um get a box at Wembley for, yeah. there was, Wembley's one of our clients, so they always gives us boxes and stuff. So we, we, I was like treating everybody on the mm. show and we was going to a, these events and stuff together. That was good fun. And then when it was, when it went on TV then, we, after a couple of weeks, we started spending, going to each other's houses, watching Did you it fancy on. each other in the show? I fancied him. Yeah. He didn't fancy me. <laughs> I fancied the pants off him. I told him when we was in The Apprentice, I was like, I will fucking marry you. And he was like, Michaela, you need to sort your life out. <laughs> I'm like, I am going to bear your children and you're going to put a fucking ring on it. <laughs> so and he was like, Michaela, will you fucking back up? And I'm like, no, but no. I was like a dog on hay. I was <laughs> in love with the man. Honestly, like when I first seen him, I remember being like, Oh, I bet he sells fucking cars. And I thought he had his uh, slick back, like slick back rig. And I'm like, he's a greasy car salesman. And um, then I remember, I'll never forget it. It was day three. He held the door open for me like this and he's big. Yeah. And then he was really yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. He was always going to the gym. Yeah. So he held the door open. I went under his arm and I brushed past him. I'm like, oh, what a man. <laughs> he's a fucking man mountain. And there's something changed inside me. Now I'm thinking, oh, he can't be best friends. Yeah. So we're going to have to be lovers, my friend. <laughs> so then basically, Dutch, I wore him down. <laughs> It took me approximately six months to do so. <laughs> um, no, I mean Harrison. Harrison loved. It. He, he had a, he had a girlfriend though, and yeah. all that. And he's he's super like you know. I mean, oh, he's it's a good proper, to see. He's like, a proper London. He's a proper fella, isn't he? Yeah, like yeah. thank God he didn't cheat. Or yeah. else, I, that would have stayed like paranoid, you know, yeah. for me forever. I mean, we wouldn't have done it anyway. It was all like you know said in jest. Mm. But um, it was when they'd split up, or whatever. In that period of time, then they'd been split up for a while, and the show come on, and we'd spent a couple of weeks together. And then um, yeah, I guess 
I just got him pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I took off my like, oh, <laughs> young man. <laughs> no, no, we, we, you just grow closer, don't you? And I get, it, it is alcohol though, because you kind of lose your inhibitions. Yeah, and, then, and then we just was having such a good time. Yeah. Nobody else will understand that experience. Even other candidates who've been on other series, their yeah. experience is going to be different to mm. ours. Like they'll have a better idea, but. Don't they say something on those shows? It's like, if you're with each other 10 weeks, it's the equivalent of being together for like three years or something. That feeling of, Closeness. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say three years, but because mm. when I found out I was pregnant, me, I'd fell for right off. Mm. How <laughs> um, long was it? How long was it before you got pregnant? When you got together? Like ten months. Was it? Yeah, it just wasn't. It just was not a long time at all. But um, but yeah, I did feel like because when you're in there, like I said, there's no phones, no TV, yeah. no radio. So all we could do was just sit around and talk. talk. And there's only so much recording they do. And when you're not like being filmed, you can't talk about the task. So all you can do is talk about life. what life was like at home. Yeah. There's nothing going on that day that you can discuss. Yeah. So you're literally just getting to know each other. So, you know, I knew like Harrison was a gentleman and I knew we'd always be friends. Like I'm still friends with Service Sergeant James and Liz and Joanna. There's a few who I'm still really good friends with, but I knew like, he was just my person. He's very straight to the point. He he loves business. Yeah. He's just his values. He's really close to all of his yeah. family. Just the way that he was, was he was, I, we would always say like, he's a Southern version of me. Like mm. if he lived in Bolton, we would definitely have been best friends. Yeah. If he was a girl, we would have been best friends just yeah. 100%. So we was friends more than anything. But, mm. you know, you get pissed and yeah. when it's Things a man happen. or woman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that Hello. friendship barrier gets broken down. <laughs> <laughs> he's a proper man. Yeah, he's... That's um, what he is. Yeah, he's very, very Did you masculine. guys uh, enjoy your experience at Bournemouth Sevens this year? We loved it, Dodge. We had the best time, honestly. And um, I, I was looking back at all the recordings because Harrison is a proper man. He's six foot two. Yeah. He can see higher than me. Yeah. And I wanted him to record mm. uh, LRA. And he'd look back at all the recordings. And he'd been recording backup dancers. I'm like, were you pladdered? <laughs> <laughs> recording the fucking backing dancers the whole way through. You take catch. <laughs> so if you have any snippets of that, I'll send them out. <laughs> Quality. But yeah, no, we loved it. Yeah, thank Amazing. you. Amazing. You're more than welcome. Just before we finish up here, tell me about what's going on in your world at the moment with women in construction. Yeah, so obviously the the whole story that you heard at first, um, sorry for any triggered people with that, has led me to this point where I've always wanted to help women. I started the business, I went on The Apprentice, given this platform, and uh, I was offered, I'm going to say the opportunity, I'm not sure if it was that, to go on Big Brother. And I thought, they do give you drink. Yeah, uh -oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I could end up destroying my career and The Apprentice had done, had done well at The Apprentice and you don't really know how things are going to get edited and that. And um, and then I'd had over 10,000 messages, like genuinely people saying like, well done or thanks for representing yeah. women in construction and what do you do with women in construction and asking for all these things. Um, so I just thought, right, if I go on Big Brother, I might potentially spoil that opportunity, what yeah. I've already got right now. So I'm going to focus on this and, and try and do like give a voice to women in construction. Um, so in the magazine that we do, we sectioned off a large part of it at the beginning for ED&I in construction, talking about all things ED&I. What's ED&I? Equality, diversity and inclusion. Okay. Yeah. So we talk about black people in construction, um, autism in construction, women in construction, anything that falls what under the What stats are there? What's the, what are the stats on women in construction? So the latest report's just come out and it's 15% now. It was 13 for years. It's 15% women in construction and just under 2% of women on the tools. Um, so it's the worst of yeah. all industries, even worse than tech. Yeah. Um, but it's because of 
you know, how society perceives construction. Yeah. It isn't because it, the construction industry is so terrible. So what are you pushing then? What do you want women to be in construction? Do you want them to be more on the tools and get that 2% up to 5%, etc.? What, what's your ultimate goal here? Yeah, my ultimate goal is to have women at all levels in construction. A board level, we're starting to see it over the last five years, more women are, are reaching the top, especially in like large house builders yeah. and tier one contractors. So to see more women at the top because it's them women then who get the voice to be able to make the change throughout these businesses that they're in. Yeah. And then throughout the framework of subcontractors who support these um, the projects that they work on, but also women on the tools as well. We need young girls to understand that when you, I go speaking in what they call pre schools, which is, you know, when you've been expelled from everywhere and yeah. then you end up in a special school. Yeah. Um, and this is no word of lie, 100% of the boys are going to be a plumber, an electrician, yeah. a laborer, whatever. And all of the girls want to be hairdressers, nail technicians, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, if that is your passion, fine like yeah. crack on yeah. i get my nails done there's a need for it yeah. you know whatever just be the best at it but if you were just doing it because you feel like you can't do anything else then do consider construction because when you sit in that nail bar doing those nails for eight hours a day you're going to get paid whatever <clears throat> whatever x amount of money yeah. if you go and be a plumber you're going to get paid 10 times more than yeah. that a day your time is worth something your life is yeah. worth something you are valuable don't just do something because they go, that's all that go. When you would go, that's all that you can do when you have no education. No, there's there's loads of things yeah. you can do, number one, but construction is a really strong option. And it's learning on the job. Apprenticeships aren't just sitting in college. They can go out, they can work, they can earn money and they can learn at the same time. Mm. So for for young people who aren't, who just aren't education savvy, it's just never appealed to them and they want some money like I would have been, then you're able to go and work and earn money mm. whilst you're still getting your qualifications mm. as well. So it needs to, we need to tell more girls about it, that this is an option because then they're going to be able to stand on their own two feet as yeah. well. If you're, these masculine industries are getting paid li literally like four times more than these yeah. feminine industries. So we need to get girls to go in there because ultimately when, if they're left to be a single parent, they need to be earning four times more to keep yeah. a roof over the children's heads. Yeah. So we need, we need girls to understand like this is more than an option for you. Like you are welcome here. Mm. And there's so many businesses doing such great work now to attract and, and retain women. Mm. Um, it's really positive to see, but obviously I was given a bit of a platform, so yeah. I just really bang on about it perhaps more than more than other people do. There's not a better person to bang on about it and drive this forward than yourself, the personality you are. What's the feedback been like from people in construction if you coming onto the scene and going, well, I want more females actually in this industry? The majority... This is how I break it down, Dodge. You've got 20% who are like um, real supporters who are going to make the change with you, who are going to do something. Then you have 60% who are just passively supporting, who are never going to like, you know, say, well, oh, get your tits out. They're yeah. never going to not promote you, yeah. but they're not, they're going to turn a blind eye to everything else and, and crack on. But, you know, they're, ne they're yeah. not going to be rude. And then you just have the 20% of pigs who are just outright. They won't promote a woman. They ignore you on site and you have, the, you have those yeah. problems. The overwhelming majority say that they support you, but then getting people to put money behind it, to start the initiatives, to implement the things in their own organisations, that's that's few and far between. You're really emotionally intelligent, right? Really emotionally intelligent. Do you, can you spot that 20% pigs when you go onto site yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Immediately. Dodge, when I walk on site, I now have to introduce myself as the managing director. 
because if I don't and I'm with a quantity surveyor who yeah. I employ, yeah. then they will just speak to them and I'll just be there as like, they think I'm taking the notes. So to overcome the awkwardness of me trying to interject your questions constantly like, oh, what about this? And then the, like, I will say, what about this? And then you answer somebody else. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm just stood there raging. Yeah. But it's never the person who you've given the, who's giving you the contracts. It's somebody who works from, mm. so you can't really say anything. So now I just always introduce myself as I'm the MD of design and build because then uh, part the scene, of me as well, it? yeah, yeah. It's, it's just an unconscious bias. They don't even know. They're not being rude. Yeah. They're just not used to seeing women who own the business come yeah. onto sites. It's mm. not a common thing. And so that's what we're trying to educate people about. It's this unconscious bias. Like don't ignore women when they walk on site. Don't worry about holding the door open. Don't worry about picking up the toolboxes because you're immediately saying to a woman like, oh, I'll do this because I'm stronger than yeah. you or I'm better than you. And although it's, it might seem like such a small thing or nitpicking, it actually does bother the women wow. because they feel like, no, I, I'm capable of doing this. Don't, don't stop me. That's it. That's a really interesting point because a decent bloke would go and open the door. A decent bloke would go and pick up the suitcase. You're used to picking up the suitcase and you have the half and whatever. What you're saying is when women are on site, don't do this for them. Yeah, it's I know, and it's it's unteaching what everybody's been taught. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I love it that Harrison does open the door for me, yeah. and we'll argue over who's going to carry the suitcase because he's always like, "You're a fucking feminist, carry it yourself." Is that what he says? <laughs> Quality, <laughs> yes, Harrison. Yeah, he's always like trying to give me back a bunch of suitcase. Um, but is but I do love all of those things about him, and you know, and I'm sure in their personal lives, these women may look yeah. at they may not. I don't know, but from the research that we've done and the, from the feedback of the women, is they feel like then they're on the back foot. They feel like then when they go into the meeting and the voices are, are really heard anyway, and you're in a site meeting and you've got something to say, you are just that weak, feeble woman on site. Yeah. So without offering to do this in the working environment, without offering to do that, then, you know, you're treating her as an equal. Yeah. Women want equality and you're not being a dick by saying, oh, I, you carry it yourself. Like yeah. she was already going to carry it herself. Like yeah. don't don't worry about it. So sometimes, uh, to be honest, when I first heard this from women, I was a bit like, oh, that's it. I like to think of herself as a feminist, but a balanced one. Yeah, balanced, and I was yeah. thinking this is a bit much. And when they explained it to me, they was like, no, because then we feel like we're on the back foot and we feel like yeah. this. And I was like, if that's the way you feel. And it's all of them saying this. Mm. There's none of them like, oh yeah, please do carry it for me. Mm. Then that's the way that they feel. Mm. So therefore we need to tell people about it because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that's not saying, oh, these men on site are dickheads for wanting to do it. It's just saying, actually, if you don't do, that's going to make her feel more comfortable yeah. going forward. Wow. That's really powerful, isn't it? Mm, really, really powerful. It, I found it really interesting researching it all, doing everything yeah. what we're doing, like networking with all these women. You know, it, it's been it's been a real nice journey for, I've enjoyed it, everything mm. what we're doing at the moment. Michaela, I've really, really, really enjoyed this episode and I haven't laughed so much in any episode I've done. Will previous. you please say that I've been the best guest that you've had? You have been <laughs> one of the best guests <laughs> I have. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. You know what, Michaela? I love you a bit. So you're such a straight talking lovely woman you've really opened up in your honesty you've got a beautiful fella in harrison you've got a lovely little boy as well um and you're taking that construction female world to a whole new level and i've got huge respect for you yeah i'm gonna do it dodge i'm gonna yeah. smash it in i've got the the passion for it and the purpose and the understanding I can hear to greater depths um which is why I do everything, everything what I want to do yeah. because you know I, I do genuinely want to want to help women. So thank you for having me on and mm. for telling my story. I know it might be uncomfortable at times, but I, I really I know like you have quite a big audience. So I really do hope that yeah. you know. And if anybody does hear it and they have experienced anything like this mm. or you know even remotely like it and they want to talk about mm. it, then you know. You've got Where can people get hold of you? 
So Instagram, it's Michaela Wayne One, LinkedIn, Michaela Wayne. Those are the, the two that I'm on most, Instagram yeah. and LinkedIn. Um, but you absolutely do reach, reach out, out, you know, if if people need to, because uh, because they understand. Yeah. Michaela, I've got huge respect for you. Thanks for coming on the show. And I can't wait to get on the beers. Yes, Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Michaela. Cheers.